Coffee House Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. This morning, Cabinet met and James Chris Whitty gave an update on Omicron. Yes, he talked about how it is still doubling in two to three days. And he said that it's too early to say if cases were plateauing in South Africa. And it's also too early to say whether Omicron is is less severe than Delta, the kind of the previously dominant strain in the UK. And he was warning of a, of a big coming increase in hospitalizations because of the rise in cases. Now, I think for understandable reasons, Crystal Whitty is presenting quite a pessimistic scenario. There's a new report out from Discovery Health, a, a, a big South African healthcare firm, which is written up on Coffee House, and that is suggesting that Omicron is less severe in terms of the effects that it has on on people than Delta, which I think is is an encouraging sign. And there's also some encouraging signs from South Africa, and it's yes, it is very early to say, but the dramatic rise in cases they saw there might well be slowing. So I, I think what Crystal Whitty's comments represent is that the government is that, that, and certainly the chief medical officer, which he is, is still very worried about what pressure is going to be put on the NHS by this new variant and how rapidly it appears to be spreading. But I think there are some more reasons to be optimistic today than there perhaps were on Sunday afternoon. Isabel, when it comes to the government's alleged Plan C, we'll get on to Plan B shortly, which is the vote later today. Um, But what are we hearing in terms of the measures Boris Johnson could be considering if they decide boosters are not enough to keep up with the pace by which Omicron is spreading? Yeah, so I think there's a a consensus in uh, Whitehall that Plan C is necessary after politically awkward Christmas period. And this would involve a lot of the things that Boris Johnson had considered unpalatable for one reason or another before Christmas. So this would be potentially entry limits in pubs, but possibly shutting pubs entirely stopping gatherings, um, a return possibly of the furlough scheme because that would be an admission that the hospitality sector is once again having to shut down uh, restrictions on shops and socialising more widely. So this is the sort of thing that Conservative MPs had either assumed or even been reassured uh, would not return now that the vaccination programme was so successful. And I think this is one of the the aggravating factors in the Plan B uh, rebellion that's looming this afternoon, or the Plan B rebellions, should I say, because there's a series of votes, which is that a lot of Conservative MPs don't think this is the end of it. And they want to send a, a message to the Prime Minister that he can't go any further in the new year, that things will be even more serious if he does move on to Plan C. But also, a lot of them are getting worried about vaccine fatigue not that people are fed up of getting vaccines, you know, the queues outside um, walk-in centres and the, the problems booking anything online show that people are very keen to get their booster jabs. 
but more that people are are stopping giving the government credit for the successful vaccination programme because they now don't regard it as being as successful. I was talking to one MP last week who said, well, look, I've I've had emails from pro-vax constituents who are saying, look, I've, I've got three jabs, but you're still curtailing my life. What more do you want from me? And the worry is that the vaccine programme, which is really the, the thing that, that Boris Johnson has has taken a huge amount of political capital from and really relied on as the success story of the pandemic, is starting to fade as a success story for a lot of voters. And they're actually now they're just seeing a government that's continuing to, to restrict their lives, even if they are supportive of those restrictions because they accept they don't want you know, Omicron to, to run rampant and so on. They're now starting to be cross with the government. And James, just when we're looking at the data and the modelling, more specifically, the government that is looking at, can you talk us through this figure Sadra Javid mentioned um, on Monday about 200,000 cases that day? Because it took a lot of people by surprise. And in a way, actually, lots of people thought he had misspoken, but it related to something else. Yeah, and it, it and it's gone through kind of multiple clarifications. So, it, I mean, the simplest way to get it is this is their projection based on how many cases they are previously picking up of how many people are currently infected with it. So, and, and I think, but I think it is a sign of how fast they think it is spreading. And I think there's, I think this is the the big question, which is, you know, if it is spreading this fast. How much can the boosters do, if you see what I mean? Because how many people will have caught it by then? I think there's also, as well as talking about the political capital the government have got out of the vaccine programme, I think there's also this booster drive. There's, there's a, there, there is a very... It, it is not a risk-free thing for the government, this, because they are basically saying, get everyone a booster, and that is the best defence. They've got to find a way of making sure that people can get those boosters in in a timely fashion and I think they've also got to make sure that people can get all the other things that they need at this moment like lateral flow tests which you know the the Sajid Javid has encouraged people to take before they go out and socialise quite a sensible suggestion and PCR tests and things like that so I think this is I think I think that the public have up to now been very forgiving of the government during this crisis. But I think if the logistics don't work at this point, I think people will be much, much less inclined to show patience. And Isabel, that all leads us to the vote. It's later on, it's it's this evening, and the current uh, spectator list has it at over 80 in terms of rebels. We expect that could go higher. How significant is it for Boris Johnson if he does face a rebellion, as we expect, which is larger than the size of his majority? Very significant, as indeed you have written on Coffee House today, Katie, and I would recommend that everyone reads uh, Katie's blog. But it, it's significant for a number of reasons. One is that... The Prime Minister will have lost his majority in a serious vote in the Commons. He's relying on opposition votes to get a serious and big and controversial policy through, which is an extraordinary place for somebody with a stonking majority to be in. I think it shows how low the levels of trust in the Prime Minister are between his parliamentary party and the number 10 operation that... that Actually, the best the whips seem to be hoping for at the moment is that they can agree with PPSs, who are the most junior ministerial aides, that they could uh, miss the 
vote, uh, you know, go and campaign in the North Shropshire by-election, which, as we've previously discussed on this podcast, a lot of MPs were quite keen to avoid because it was going to be such a miserable experience. Now, the the career-boosting thing to do is to go and knock on doors in this very angry by-election to replace Owen Paterson so that you uh, can be excused from rebelling against the government and losing your junior ministerial post. And that's, again, a pretty embarrassing place for the government to be in where it's basically trying to encourage people to stay away because it's so worried about not just the numbers of rebels but the sorts of rebels actually getting uh, junior ministerial resignations. James just finally we're looking at a big rebellion later tonight and that's something dramatic changes between now and then that's going to be a, a public you know display of anger that people can see and then, as Isabel touched on, we have the by-election in North Shropshire. Is that going to be the trigger for this week in terms of the first taste, I suppose, of what the public really think of Boris Johnson's government? Because we've seen polling. It's not very pretty for the Tories. But this would be the clearest, no? Yes, and the, and the by-election in North Shropshire has taken on this particular importance. And now, obviously, on an objective level, given how big the Tory majority is and given how they used to wave a Tory vote... If the Tories hold that seat by 500 votes or something like that, that would still be a pretty awful performance. But I I suspect that if you offer that to Boris Johnson right now, he would bite your hand off for that because holding the seat would allow him to at least suggest that that there was something that hadn't gone totally disastrously wrong for him. I think if if the Tories lose North Shropshire, I think it will cause a lot of concern and particularly a problem for Boris Johnson because when Chesham and Amersham was lost, you could say oh, look, it's HS2, which has been unpopular there for years. By-election was always going to be difficult in that seat. And in terms of policy, it was planning, and the government have kind of parked planning, I mean, I think, I think wrongly, but have parked planning as an issue since then. The problem in North Shropshire is everything comes back to mistakes that Number 10 had made. You know, why is there a by-election in the first place? Because of the, the, the attempt to save um, Patterson. Obviously, the current backdrop is, is, is just is, is awful for the Tories. And, and so I think that is, that is going to be, I think it'll be, I think if the Tories do lose North Shropshire, I think that the concern on the Tory benches about what is going on would, would, would just, will hugely intensify because, um, as the Tory MP said to me, it's, you know, it's one of those seats which if the Tories lose it, you know, lots of Tory MPs will conclude that, that, that none of them are safe, if you see what I mean. Now, obviously, it's a by-election and you wouldn't see what happens in a by-election repeated at a general election. But I think it will cause a lot of unease. Uh, and I think the other danger is that it's a by-election in a heavily rural seat um, less than 10 days before Christmas what if a Tory vote just stays home? I mean, that, that, is, that is one of the big risks of the Tories, which is that lots of their voters are disillusioned, cross, just decide to stay home, while as those who want to vote against them are, are far more highly motivated. Because I think if, if North Shropshire is lost, I think you will see uh, the, the, the levels of concern on the Tory benches turning up several notches. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.